0: Thank you and enjoy today's message.
1: Hello, everybody. It's wonderful to see you. And uh, even though it's the holidays and we're a bit thin on the ground, uh, we've got a great global audience out there and we say hello to you as well. Welcome. And uh, we're going to do something a bit different tonight. Um, We're going to have a few different voices. We thank Anth for everything he brings on a regular basis. And it's only when... You know, I get to contributing when I do, that I realise the stress and the pressure that is there. And I just want to say thank you. And you could say, well, it's your husband, so you're a bit biased. No, I'm, I'm just really telling the truth. It's amazing. And um, over this last six weeks, uh, and I want to encourage you, some of you, just take an afternoon, all, that's all it will take, to listen to the 30-minute talks, because that's all they are, in one session, <coughs> excuse me, and they are absolutely brilliant and inspiring and will do you good. If you think you can listen to it once and get all you can out of it, you're daft. It, you hear things again that's just utterly stunning and it's amazing. Now, on the 4th of July, we were celebrating our 30th anniversary here in this church, which is quite an incredible feat. Um, but what Anne said on that day, says that it always marks, 30 years has always marked a new beginning. Now, I don't know about you, and it might be that we're, we're, you know, we're a bit thin on the ground after COVID and various things. I can feel a new beginning and I can feel the next chapter actually opening up before us. And it's really quite fantastic. So we're gonna hear some different perspectives tonight on some of the things that we've talked about in the last few weeks. Um, I like the fact that Ant's been so authentic, vulnerable, very real, and he was so honest about being an ex-convert. Do you remember? Some of you might have missed that. But I thought, yeah, brilliant, because we're not ashamed and we're not afraid to call things the way they are. So I'm so glad that Jesus used parables. I'm glad he didn't have a Bible as such at the time. It releases us into an area where we can use so much to relate and to connect with people. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've had elephants, we've had chickens, we've had specks, we've had jailbreaks and reality shows. And then people say that church is boring. I think not. And actually, we had somebody from a friend of ours, actually, who is part of the Mormon church in York, Get in touch with Anne saying one of his family, his young children said, why can't we granddad have stories like that in our church on a Sunday morning? Which of course, isn't that lovely? Because he listens in and he sees how we use things that are so uh, relative uh, to to here and now. So anyway, I encourage you to catch up um, on uh, YouTube, they're there. But what I want to just say before we move on, is this. Can you put up a meme, please? It's this. This came up this week. So then I had them build me a cage, and I really like it. Now I'm safe from cats, and no one can sneak up and hurt me. That sounds very sensible. But listen to the words of the bird on the windowsill. But now you can't Fly. If that doesn't hit you between the eyes, I don't know what will. will. And as a church here, as a group, whatever you want to call us now, what we are wanting to do is raise free range chickens or birds that are uncaged. If you want to go back into a cage for a little nap, that's fine, but keep the door open so you can fly free. And that is our heart for this place, that people can truly come in and out Find pasture, but go in and out, and that is our heart. So anyway, what we're going to do, there is nothing more powerful than this moment, and we're going to have 60 few of them, 65 maybe, I don't know, depends how long we talk, doesn't it? Of those minutes, and there's nothing more powerful than those individual moments for you, to have an encounter with something that you've never had an encounter with before. So I hope that in this moment we can bring out our our I am's am's together. I'll be talking about that a little later. And let them come together and see what we can create this
2: morning. Is that okay? Great stuff. So um, when uh, Chris sent the message out this week about... Um, Looking at the stuff from the past few weeks, the the thing that instantly came into my head um, was the clip that Ant showed a few weeks ago um, from Shawshank Redemption of Red leaving the the prison um, and not being able to go to the toilet without permission. Now, there's lots of reasons that struck home for me, Um, but I guess the predominant one was because I work in a prison, and I work with boys getting out, and um, and that made a lot of sense to me. And um, I was thinking about it this week, and my job is to work with boys pre-release. So three months before they get out, I start working with them, and then somebody takes over from me as they go into the community, and then I go and visit them once they're out and see how they're getting on. And my job is to try and help them um, deal with the stuff they're about to face when they get out and make sure they're equipped to do that. Um, And when I first started that job, um, what they said to me was you're going to need to teach them how to cook, how to clean, how to use a washing machine, all those things. These boys have never lived on their own and they're going to have to live on their own when they get out, which is fine. They're really easy, measurable targets that I can go in there and I can teach them how to do all that. What we discovered 18 months down the line is that although, yes, they do need to know all of that stuff, the predominant thing that they struggle with when they get out is knowing how to think for themselves and to make a decision. Um, And when I asked some of the boys this week, um, what is the worst thing about being in prison, they gave me a list, a really long list. So they said, you know, having no freedom, um, being locked up in a small room, um, not being able to see family, the food crap was came up regularly, um, as if that was the big deal. Um, The food's really rubbish. Um, Being restrained by officers, not having any education, not being able to see your friends, not being able to help with what's going on on the outside while you're inside. I mean, the list was pretty endless, but all the stuff that they listed off was very immediate stuff. It was like, while you're in prison, this is really awful stuff. When I asked the boys who I met on the out, what the worst thing was about being in prison, it's that they said it changed how they thought and how they saw the world. So once they got out, they didn't know how to do anything. And one of the boys said, I don't even know whether I'm supposed to open a door for myself. That was the worst bit. The first week out, he said, I let in bed for like nearly the whole morning waiting for someone to open my door because I'd not opened a door. He said, even reaching for a door handle feels like I'm gonna be in trouble. Um, he said, even seeing a door handle feels like I'm gonna be in trouble. Um, and he said, suddenly for the first I feel like I might be in trouble, but I don't know why all the time. And when he said that, what it suddenly struck me was um, about my upbringing, I guess. Now, I've not been in a prison in that respect. Um, but I grew up in church, I've grown up in church my whole life, and I came here when I was 19, 18, 19, and, um, and I found my home here, and I, I've loved being here ever since, but this, this church has been on a journey during that time, and, um, and I've, I've gone that journey with it. But there was points where we were discussing stuff, and I was thinking, and I, I love where we're going, and I, I totally get that, like, in terms of the theology, and I'm, I'm on board and I'm with it, but I just haven't had that experience in church that has been so obvious prison walls and... Um, dictatorship and rules and regulations and and consequences in that way I just I've just not had that like I didn't grow up with that I found it really difficult to get my head around it and then I hit a point in my life where my life didn't go the way all my historic church families would have said it should have gone and I suddenly was faced with making decisions that I never thought I would have to make and I I caught myself being like well if I do that will I be in trouble if I do that, will, I, will somebody come at me <laughs> and, and have a go? If I do that... What will that mean for God and me and that relationship? And I'd never questioned that my whole life. I'd always said, I regularly had said to, to Chris and Anthony, but the God that I grew up with was just a God of love, and he was this and he was that, and he was amazing. And, and he was, he really was. But it was the conditioning that actually had played a bigger part for me. It wasn't the prison walls. It wasn't the restrictions when I was 13 or whatever, because I felt like I, I could deal with all of that. I didn't have that in the same way that perhaps other people had that in, in different Dreams of church. Um, mine was fairly liberal in that respect, but it was the unsaid stuff that, that really affected me. It was the, but if you do this, God will be happy. And then that gap that says, well, what if you do this? <laughs> or like, how will you feel about this? Or will you, how will you feel about that? And will I be in trouble because of this? And suddenly I found myself... Feeling like I needed to ask permission to piss. <laughs> that was my like, that was my thing. And I suddenly thought, I I okay, it wasn't obvious for me. It what like these boys are saying, there's all these things that are bad about prison. All those things weren't bad about church for me. It wasn't obvious, but the subtleties of of church, the subtleties of religion had crept in and were part of me and were inbuilt, and I didn't even notice it. So I guess I want to encourage you today that like actually you might be listening to some of this stuff thinking, it's brilliant and I get it and I love it, but I didn't really grow up with any of that stuff. Like it wasn't there and um, but if you feel like sometimes you've had to ask permission to do something to make a decision to go a certain way in your life I wonder whether actually that's inbuilt built in you as well whether you've heard that even if it's not a church even if it's at school in RE or or like on the telly on the news or the stuff that we're the queen's speech at Christmas all of that stuff actually it starts to build up this idea in our head and it's the unsaid stuff that becomes quite scary and for these boys that are leaving prison It's the unsaid stuff. They know when they're going to be in trouble for certain things, but there's a whole gray area for them that's like, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. I don't know what to do, but I don't know how to think. I left church, all these other churches I was part of, and I thought I'd had a great time, but I had no idea how to think for myself. I had no idea how to ask a question or if I was allowed to ask a question. And I'm not really a questioning person, so it never really figured for me until suddenly I had a question. And then I was like, am I allowed to have a question? I'm like, is that a thing? And so if you're somebody that thinks, actually, it's been fine for me I've grown up it's not been a problem I'm really happy for you because for me that was easy as well but then the the rubber might hit the road at some point and I would ask you to really question whether or not you feel like you have to ask permission to go to the toilet um
3: I'm sitting down because I have had vertigo for the last few days and I will think more clearly if I'm sitting on a chair and I do move a lot when I talk you might have noticed And um, there are times in our history where if our face planted onto the stage, we might think it was the Lord. I think now I'd rather you call me a doctor. So um, um, it's been an interesting few days because I've I've never experienced this feeling of permanent seasickness before. Um, And I've not been able to do the last few days without serious help from my family. And I am um, a Fiercely independent human being. So, the first few couple of days of realizing this was my world, I thought, well, I'm, I'm gonna go to work, I'm gonna try and do all my meetings, and I have a to do list. I'm not stopping for anyone. Um, so, it took me two days to accept that I could not do my life as I would normally do my life. And what I've then realized is that we, you can be very independent. But actually, that independence can be an illusion because you're only independent within that cage that Chris was talking about. If you've got your life set up, how it works, and you've got everything in order and there's nothing throwing you off balance, it's easy to tell yourself that you're very secure and safe. And the thing that um, really spoke to me about that film about was the relationship between Andy and Red. I think um, Anth talked about how Um, Andy was in there and was innocent, Red was in there and was guilty, it really struck me um, how their relationship was so key for both of them, that neither of them could have done it without each other. And we sometimes try and be independent to avoid vulnerability. Um, But I think if... I honestly think that to, to navigate faith... And hope and love it 's not something you can do independently it really isn 't and if you think you can um, you' probably got you 're probably behind walls actually because we can 't do life on our own you, you have to be interconnected, and you feel that the most when you your life goes off balance, and that journey from inside the walls that have always made you feel safe and secure and like your life is doable to outside is the point where you will feel most vulnerable and who you gather around you to make the sound in your life at that point is actually really crucial and I think that um, I look at Andy and the fact that he came up with that strategy to chip through I mean, do you remember when he was tunneling himself out? I know that I would struggle to go first, and I'm not someone that can often go first. Um, now, I don't know whether I'll ever be someone that can go first, but I like to, I like to follow leadership across all areas of my life, because I know I'm, I'm I, I think I make a great number two, three, four, five, six, however, but I'm, I'm not one to go first, and there's some to, I always admire people that can be the first one, because I'm like that takes a huge amount of courage to be the first one out the block. Um, so I always, you know, and the people in here, you know, you guys, you're the first out the block. It's scary, um, and so if you're not the ones that are the first out the block, that's okay. That's a, that's okay. We don't have to be the first ones out the block. But what I love um, is how Anzi then leaves something buried for people to find if they're willing to find it he doesn't pressure them he doesn't say you must well he does say promise me promise me but in the loveliest way possible and I think that as a as a church that ice-breaking spirit and that sound is so crucial and for those up here, for those listening online, because we're first on some things, and that's cold and it's lonely sometimes. But we're leaving hope buried for those who can then come and find it, which is which is just amazing. And so, um, I, 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 to be honest, I had notes, but I can't look down because they go dizzy. So um, I'm speaking from my heart and just, um, you know, I, I don't know... Who you've got in your life to encourage you or making the right sound. Um, but if any of us can be of any help to you, um, none of us have got where we are independently. And I that line about "I hope," you know, I never thought I could be somebody who could live without the beliefs I had that were making me so safe. Never in a million years did I think I could be without them, and those years where I was completely out of balance without them were horrible um but now i hope and it, it is possible to get past the spinning bits in your life and to find somewhere to sit or stand because people will help you so let me encourage you don't be alone reach out um talk to people and just yeah don't be so independent that you you're pretty up your cage rather than learning to fly okay right i'm done Oh, hang on, no, I'm not. The song, the next song, I asked for specifically because um, I heard it again last weekend and, oh, I just thought it was so beautiful and so moving and I was thrilled that we'd done it here before and I know that John and Connie have spent ages preparing it, but it's how people in your life can bring a transformational change if you let them. So please enjoy this song.
4: Good morning. That was fab, wasn't it? When I saw that, I was following that song there, I thought it was quite challenging because the question comes to us, well, do you think that you have changed? I was thinking, I guess the last two years provide an interest in measuring stick, don't they, with all the change that we've had in society. But if you were to ask yourself honestly the question, have you changed for good over the last two years, that's quite challenging, isn't it? Especially if you had to really say, well, tell me how, um, And it does take other people, like you said. I love the threads that come through when lots of different people come up and and talk. Um, I'm wearing a T-shirt this morning that I was looking through this morning. I was like, oh, I'll wear that one because it says, why are we here? Um, Which I think there's two questions in there. There's We're flying on this big rock through space, but big question, why do you think we're here? Anthes talked a lot about meaning recently and that's a good question to ask. But if we zoom it down to this room... Why are we here this morning? We've given up a couple of hours of our Sunday to sit in a room together and hear some stuff. But why? And why do you think other people should be here? Well, the word that's been in my head all this morning, that I don't know if you've caught the thread, freedom seems to be something that's resonating, doesn't it? Um, Anth talked a few weeks ago about, about how each week we have a uh, spiritual car boot sale. Anyone like a car boot sale? At your car boot sale, you get rid of all your old junk you don't want anymore and expect somebody else to want your old junk. I always find that really weird when you go to a car boot sale. Um, But I think that's part of maybe why we don't change for good often is because we don't get rid of the old junk. I feel like we've accumulated old junk in our lives from when we were very little, like all these little ones running around. They will accumulate junk beliefs in their life and junk thoughts, and that will stop them being free, because other than, I guess, the people that Beth works with, most of us aren't restricted massively in that way, like by walls. The things we're restricted by are on the inside, um, and that links to something else Anthe has been talking about, uh, which is about how Christ isn't revealed to us, but is revealed in us. Um, there's a sign I have. we have on, in our kitchen, which is this, happiness is an inside job. And obviously, inside job means it was someone in the bank that did the robbery. But also, it's happiness is an inside job because, well, all of us tend to live our lives a lot of the time thinking, happiness is out there somewhere. I need to find this thing, I need to, if only I could be a bit more perfect, then I'd get the love that I need. If only I could be more generous then people would think I was needed, then then I'd feel more loved. For me, it's if I could achieve more um, and be more successful, then I'd finally find that happiness, or potentially you could call it that Christ, that X factor that we're all looking for, that divine goodness that we're all on the hunt for. Um, And I've got a little story that might help us with that. So my sister came up to see me, uh, See, so uh, on Friday, and she has three little boys under the age of 12, so our house has been noisy for a couple of days, which has been fun. One of the cats just disappeared, uh, but what, the little one, Max, is five years old, and Max is into Lego figures, and he had these two little Lego minifigures, and yesterday morning we went to the park, and he took his two little minifigures with him, disaster, um, on the way there, he had his two minifigures. In the park, he had his two minifigures. We got back, and he's only got one minifigure. He's like, Mommy, I don't know where my little minifigure is, because they're from London. Um, so I was like, oh, I'll, go, I'll go and have a look. So we ran around to the park, and I, looked, I couldn't find this minifigure anywhere. And I was, you know, when you're walking back thinking, I've got to take the bad news that the thing you love most in the world is lost for good. Uh, and I went back to the kitchen, I was like, I can't find it anywhere. I just put my hand in my pocket, and, and I'd had it in my pocket. <laughs> no, my memory is so bad. I always say, you can tell me your worst secrets, because I'll forget them just like that. Um, I think my sister must have given me it at some point, but I had the minifigure. Now, it occurred to me this morning, Jesus once said, the kingdom of heaven is not out there somewhere, it's within you, and the other thing he said is, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I think a lot of the reason why we're often not free in our lives is because we think what we need to find happiness, life, love, truth, freedom is out there somewhere. So we then put on this mask act. The way I do it is by not being honest about what's going on in my life and kind of pretending. Because if I can just look impressive enough, then that's how I've got through life really. But that thing has created a wall for me that sometimes means I'm not great in relationships because I'm not always being honest. That's my little wall of freedom. You know, we watched the uh, clip about Rosa Parks a few weeks ago, didn't we? And she stood up to a system that essentially stopped her and her people being free. Um, I think often what we need to stand up against is the system we've imposed upon ourselves. It's almost like we... (laughs) We need to stand up against ourselves often and the things that we do that stop us being free. Because it's, it's no one else really that is stopping us living the fullness of our lives. It's, it's us really, which is actually really good news because it means that actually we can change. Now we need other people and I think that's a big learning curve for me because I often think I can do everything on my own. And that often is when you then get stunted growth and you don't change for good because over time you just think you can do it all yourself. Um, so yeah, this is a challenge for me because I'm more, it's more about being honest than it is about conforming to what I meant to be like. It's more about genuinely loving myself than pretending to love myself and other people. Um, and finally, I want to introduce a video and a song. So uh, Chris had a great idea to take a lot of what Anth said last week and put it together with some of the clips from the Truman Show. Um, I don't know if you remember, Anth pointed out that it was called the True Man Show. Obviously, it could be true person or true he, she, ze, they, whatever you want to call it. But your true person is often what we want to become, and we need to get free from the not true person. Um, So it could be the true Georgia show or the true Ruth show or the true Angela show or the true James show. Um, But Anne spelled out brilliantly how we are on this journey step by step, dot by dot to figure out what the next step is. So I know for me... It's about connecting with other people, revealing what's actually going on. And Connie is going to sing a beautiful song after uh, after this clip. It's about how we just need to take the next right step. Because sometimes where we're moving from where we were to where we want to be, there's this space in the middle where we've had our car boot sale, got rid of all the junk, we get home and are like, it feels empty in here now. Like I haven't got all the stuff that I used to have. And I know it was junk and I needed to get rid of it, but now I feel this emptying it, I feel a bit lost, I don't really know which way is up, and I know I heard this song that Connie's going to sing, and it's not a style I'd normally be into, to be honest, but the words, I was like, that says exactly how I feel, Um, and I think music's great for that, when it can really kind of resonate with how you feel, so uh, I hope that helps, I hope you can be changed for good, and find your true self, and take the next right step. Thanks.
1: That one extra yarp, I've used that phrase a lot since we saw that clip a few weeks ago and in so many things whether it be my neighbors or whatever's going on in their lives or various things I've kept using all we need is one extra YARP. Now YARP gets you thinking about sound. Now uh, There's lots of things, wonderful things being said this morning. I've loved every minute of it. Thank you for those who've participated. And I hope I can just now pull it together a little bit with what I want to share. And it might mean that I read more than I go from heart, because I've got to keep within the time constraints. Um, But, you know, what Beth was saying about the whole business of, uh, of, of lives not always being defined in the same way as everybody else, There is still a point that we are defined by something. And what Beth was saying was it's only when that definition is messed with that then we have the problem. Do you get it? And it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in. We define ourselves in very specific ways. And it's only when that's messed with we have a problem. And uh, I just want you to understand that it's not just church uh, that institutionalizes us, but we can be institutionalized in so many ways. And um, as I was thinking about sound, I was also thinking about how the West uh, has always been obsessed with defining things. You see, uh, I learned a long time ago that when the church uh, or Christianity or whatever you want to call it split East and West. The West was obsessed with words, whereas the East was obsessed with very different things. It was more obsessed with silence. You think, hang on, that is a real opposite. They were obsessed with with, with more silent things. And um, we created very static concepts where in the East, they kept it very fluid and very open. And you think, heck, isn't that a very interesting difference between west and the east and of course what did we do we decided that the east in their expressions of faith were wrong and we in the west were right but of course once you define something you box it up and that is the way it is forever and a day and has that done as much good no and you see i've really understood that what i struggled with and some of you will know this from your relationship with with me that the thing I have had to get rid of in in my life was absolutism, absolutism. There is one singular truth that applies to everyone, everywhere at all times. That was me, that was my upbringing. Now, is that true? Think about it, very unlikely. I think there are some things that are true and probably relate to a lot of people But to actually use it for a doctrine about uh, things that none of us can prove, to actually get into the whole issue of absolutism there is not only not sensible, it's actually dangerous. Do you get it? So for me to actually realize, Chris, you're an absolutist and that is killing you. It's terrible. Because I didn't know how to not be an absolutist. And then, of course, you hear things that are coming from different places. You think, that's interesting. oh, that sounds interesting. But you realise you're not allowed to, to go somewhere else because it's not within your d- definition of how things should be. Do you get it? So we, again, we're back to being incarcerated. Anyway, losing my religion was my loss of absolutism, which absolutely, like Jenny said, and I'm, over, I'm glad that this is sort of fitting together. It totally did me in because, and as Danny said, and I'm picking this up because you've, you've all said it already, um, stripping away the concepts that I was raised with left me feeling as though I had nothing because it was a, a defining thing, if I defined God in a particular way, it meant that I was also defined in a particular way, and that I had to keep that intact, or otherwise everything went to pot. So our words define God, but defined us too and boxed us in, incarcerated us, rather than setting us free just to be. Now this is the point I want to sort of bring you, Is there's a, two points, but This is the first one. Nothing seems very negative. And some of you have struggled when we talk about since we lost that defining thing, we felt as though that we were left with nothing. But in fact, there's no such thing as nothing. It's a language thing. And there's other languages in the world that don't have a word called nothing. Did you know that? It's particularly over this side that we have the word nothing. Even in, uh, I think it's Dutch, they don't have the word nothing. Now that's interesting, isn't it? it? When we talk about how we talk to each other and, and define. So we'd actually, if I said to you, bring me a box of nothing, you'd probably bring me what? An empty box. But you see, empty and nothing are actually two different words. It's very different. We'd probably be better saying that what we mean by no th- nothing is no thing. Do you get it? No thing. The box has no things in it, but it's actually an empty box. But if you get into uh, quantum physics, and this is what blows my mind, it's where actually the power really lies, is that quantum physics tells us that... Uh, the invisible nothingness or emptiness you see is actually full of what's called invisible forms. You think, oh, heck, that's over my head now. But just get this, it's called potential. Simply, an empty box has got a lot of potential because you can put things in it. That's the simple part of it. But if you wanna get a little deeper, it's actually full of invisible forms, invisible things that you can't see but it's actually waiting to erupt into something. Now, take that home with you and get your head around it because some of you think, what was that all about? But create a little chaos in the nothingness or the emptiness or the nothingness of space and it's all ready for creation to come. It's absolutely amazing and we live every day not having a clue that that is going on. So often when we feel stripped of our definitions... We don't recognise the potential. All we feel is pity. And I'll tell you what, I have known and I've talked to some of you here that you've since you've lost that definition, all you've felt is pity because you don't know who you are anymore. And that is really sad. So this is what I want to to bring us to. There's a, a famous prayer by a guy called Meister Eckhart. And it's not Eckhart Tolle, this is another guy. And his famous prayer was this. God, rid me of God. Whoa, what sort of a prayer is that? And uh, another guy, which I haven't written down out his name, and I've forgotten who it was now. I'm sorry, I should have written his name down. He screamed out, God is dead, and we have killed him. And at the end of that, he added, hallelujah. You think, what sort of a prayer is that? Now, hear me here, it's absolutely fantastic. This prayer seems sacrilegious. But for many years, I didn't get what they were on about, but I now do. What they were both getting at is letting go of our concepts of God that brings us to a place of no thing. Not nothing, but no thing, which opens up a greater understanding who God can be beyond the limits of our minds. Isn't that fantastic? Potential! It can be, it can just be. Isn't that stunning? Which brings me, and I will try and keep this quick because I know we're running out of time here, which brings me to the whole thing about sound. We can say, well, what then is our sound? If we've no definition, what is our sound? Surely we've got to know what we, how to define things in order to make a sound. But if you notice that film, the yarp was just a noise. It didn't have a doctrine attached to it. And a sound isn't a dogma or a doctrine. And I was thinking a fire alarm, it goes off and nobody needs an explanation for that. You hear that noise, you know what that means. And yet what we do with even talking about who we are in this house, we talk about our sound, but then we try to define it and put it into a box and say what it is, what it means, what we believe about this, that and the other, when actually it just needs to be a sound. Now you think, oh, you're really confusing me now, Chris, but I'm gonna help you now. And last night this came to me and I haven't had a lot of time to think it through. So forgive me and I pray you will hear a sound. Is that okay? It was this, it's one note It sounds very boring, because the song is far more interesting. But again, can trap us within someone else's defined experience. Think about it, we write lyrics. Oh, it trapped, I love it, but it trapped me in someone else's experience, where a sound doesn't. So I want to bring you now to this. I'm going to talk about the um. Everybody do it, um. And yes, Chris is the nutter here. And I don't care, the om. Now, you know, we might say, oh, you're getting really new agey now. You're getting this, you're getting that or the other. Do you know what the om is? The om is a small sound that contains vast life in it. It is believed that this was the sound that initiated the creation of the universe. And it's used by many Eastern religious, religions, particularly the Hindus and Buddhists, in their chants, it's basically a sound that conveys the depths of divine mystery without words. Oh, I like that, because it stops me having to think. My goodness, doesn't it take some time thinking? Now hear this, it's interesting that we have failed, and when I say we, I'm talking about us in the West, have failed to appreciate the Om. Um. It's not that we haven't been introduced to it. We hear it in shalom. Ooh, can you hear it? Shalom, meaning peace. It's in the the Jewish faith. And we've also heard it, Christians use it when they talk about the alpha and the omega. Oh, it's there. But we haven't given it the same sort of uh, thought, have we? And uh, we also... I don't know whether you lot know about this, but way back in my, in my early days, there was the omnis. Do you remember God was the omnipresent, omnip, omnipotent, omniscient? Oh, just be grateful you don't have the omns anymore. We don't need all them om's, But we're not unfamiliar with the term. But we've never understood it in its most powerful. And I'm just getting to that now and I'm nearly done. So what does the on mean? In Latin, it literally means, are you ready for this? All, all, oh my, all. The whole universe in one single word, it's a sound that unites us all. Oh my, isn't that fantastic? Why, why does it unite us all? because there are no words or images that can capture the reality of who and what God is. There is a humility to recognise that we can be bankrupt in our words and our thoughts when presented with the ineffable mystery of God. God is everything, but he's also beyond everything. And the arm brings past, present and future into union. Now get this, when the utterer, speaks the om. It creates an echo. Now try it when you get home, go om um, and feel what he's doing in your mouth. It's resonating. Incredible. It creates a, a, a circle. And you see, when we utter the om, we're saying all. And if I'm part of the all, I'm part of God. If I'm part of God, he's part of me. I'm part of the universe. It's the All, are you you getting it? Isn't this gorgeous? So, it creates a circle and a union of all things. So, if I was to say to you, what is our sound? It's the om, it's the all. If somebody wants to know our sound in in, in Q Q Church York, it's the om, or just to simplify it, it's the all Make of that what you wish, but it's the all. So how do we attach this to the one extra YARP? I am, to most people, is an incomplete sentence. Just like without a doctrine, we can feel as though we've got nothing. And when I say to somebody, who are you? I am, and then what do they do? They look for words to put on the end to define who they are. Why are we not satisfied with I am I'll tell you why because we were told years ago that God had that name I am and therefore we couldn't have it but guess what the om does the om goes all are you hearing it the om says all so we have lost the ability to say I am without following it with some word or definition Jim Palmer, a a person I read a lot of, he says this. It's not a better relationship with some deity in the sky that we need, but a better relationship with the one in the mirror. This changed my life because when I knew I am, I also knew I am. And the power of I am, of the collective I am, the interdependent I am. Do you get it? Because I am is I am. Okay, very quickly. This is where we missed the point of Jesus and made an institution out of him. He didn't come to revamp a religion, but gave us a new way of seeing everything and to point us to the om. Do you get it? To the all. Horton said in the clip that we didn't show tonight, but he said this, their ears aren't strong enough. We need to be louder. And what I encourage you all to do is use your louder om because it means all. And I think that's absolutely incredible. I hope that's blessed you. There's more things I could say, but I've gone way too long and we have one last song and I'm going to call it our om song is that right? Our Om song. And then, take it home with you. We can always look at this, maybe some more at another time, but I hope that it's giving you something. Our sound is a single note of all. It's all um. Feel it in your mouth, Um.
0: Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast.